Hey peeps, welcome back to the Growth Lab podcast. I'm your host, Matt Harris, and I run the Growth Lab, a lead generation consultancy for cleaning businesses. This is the first of a three-part tech series where I speak with the founders, CEOs, and C-suite execs of some of the biggest cleaning platforms in Europe and the US. We kick off the series with Housekey, and in today's episode, I chat with founder and CEO, Avin Ribeiro, MBE. Avin started Housekeep in 2014 with £5,000 and one cleaner. Today, 2,000 cleaners and tradespeople use the platform with Avin and his team aiming to turn Housekeep into a £100 million plus business in the next five years. Avin began his career investing in young, growing businesses and identified that the most successful of them operated in large, fragmented markets with low investment in tech. The idea for Housekeep was born out of researching the fragmented home services market worth £40 billion a year annually with little tech adoption. We talk about Avin's decision-making process for starting a cleaning business and why he chose domestic over commercial, the importance of surveying your customers to get feedback on what they want and how to improve your service, which marketing channels have been the most successful for growing Housekeep, the four areas where tech can improve your cleaning business, how to consistently manage and onboard new cleaners and why you need to invest in your cleaning team and the one decision that has had the biggest impact on the growth of Housekeep. For more tips on lead generation and insights on the most successful strategies, tools and tactics to help grow your cleaning business, sign up for the Growth Lab newsletter via the link in the episode description. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Hi guys, welcome back to the Growth Lab podcast. Really excited about this episode. I'm here with Avin Roberu, uh, founder and CEO of Housekeep. I'm looking forward to diving into how he started Housekeep and he's looking to scale it to a uh, hundred million pound business. So Avin, welcome to the show. Hey, good to see you. Um, would you mind uh, just telling the listeners how, how you got started with Housekeep? Yeah, of course. So I've probably got a slightly unusual background for Housekeep. I spent about a decade working as an investor in young growing businesses across the UK and Nordics. So usually businesses that had a proven revenue model, a few million of turnover, we'd invest capital and expertise to try to grow them to tens of millions or hundreds of millions of turnover. Uh, I'd been doing that for about a decade and started with a kind of structured piece of work around what business could I start myself and was looking for big markets, where the supply base is fragmented, where there's the opportunity to do it better with technology. Quite a, there's quite a sort of well-worn path. I was looking at the home services market mm. and it really fits the bill um, with lots of local profitable players, but very few people have managed to get across services and across geographies. And so I look at cleaning and of course the recurring element of having this nice ongoing relationship with the household uh, struck me as interesting because you get the customer theoretically forever. Yeah. That was the genesis of the idea, the kind of market piece. And um, from there, I got my hands dirty quite literally and uh, the, the rest is sort of history. Did you do the first clean? <laughs> I, did, I did, yeah, absolutely. If whatever business you're going to start, you need to understand it best than, uh, than the next person out there. So I was aware I didn't know anything about cleaning. So I thought, well, let me try to yeah. see if I can get some customers. And I've got some customers. And then I thought, well, let me see if I can, you know, clean their homes and make them happy. And they, they were. And then I thought, uh, well, can I get a cleaner to clean their homes and make them happy? And I could. And then I said, can I get two cleaners to do it and make them happy? And, you know, I could and dot, dot, dot. And, um, but, you know, really, I thought that understanding how cleaning worked and what cleaners did 
was just critical to my early knowledge. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, for example, I can tell you that you can't clean five homes on the 2nd of January uh, after everybody's had New Year's Eve parties. And I know how, you know, physically tiring <laughs> and exhausting it is. And, you know, how to optimize travel routes and where or where you don't have yeah. phone reception in central London, uh, all of which you know fed into the early business model so you started with domestic uh first what what made you choose domestic over commercial i was so i was looking at different business models and i was interested in commercial cleaning as a model as well i guess the, the domestic cleaning struck me as a, a more open space and i was interested i had a bit of expertise in consumer services so i kind of knew a little bit about consumers not not as much okay. as i do now and so I had a bit more natural affinity for the space and I thought that the space looked much, much wider open. Whereas on the commercial side, certainly for bigger contracts, there's a, there's a, there was a chunk of expertise that I just didn't have at the time. You know, how would we win the contract for Heathrow Airport? You know, I didn't have a starting point for that. I do sometimes wonder whether that was a mistake mm -hmm. and whether I perhaps didn't, if I'd spent a bit more time on the research, but I would have ended up saying actually commercials more interesting because the contract value is higher is obviously contracts rather than kind of sub, soft subscriptions. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure whether that was the right decision or not, to be honest. And um, mm. uh, I, we sometimes sort of joke about whether it should have been office keep rather than housekeep, but uh, we've not got around to it quite yet. Well, you never know. There's opportunity in the future, right? So uh, it's certainly another direction to go in. So t talk to me about how you won your, your first sort of batch of customers. It was all, uh, of course, it was, uh, it was just word of mouth. Um, so I was trying to figure out what is it that customers care about? And so I uh, begged and borrowed and I stole and demanded and, and harassed everyone I knew into filling out this survey about customer demand. And we, we asked, you know, some very basic stuff like what are the things that you look for when, when, when trying to find a cleaner? What matters to you? Where are you getting good service? How much would you pay? And um, one of the things that became quickly apparent in that survey was that lots of people who just were friends and family who the survey got forwarded around friends and, and, and their friends. Uh, lots of people um, were looking for a cleaner right now. And so quite a lot of people replied to the survey with, yes, like, can you get me a cleaner now? I want you to get me a cleaner. And I think we, yeah. in the first seven, the first sort of cohort of seven customers came from that group. And, and some are still customers, which is quite nice. And oh, um, it was really, so it was really properly word of mouth. And then from there, we started to try to test and work on different marketing channels and, 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 uh, and grow it out from there. And over time, like what has proven to be the most successful marketing channel from you after, you know, testing, going from word of mouth to, to now, I'm, I'm guessing online uh, is obviously quite, quite yeah. big. Like what, which has been the most successful for you? Yeah, so we deliberately try to keep marketing channels diversified. We don't want to be reliant on a single channel. There are a few few different channels that have you know, broadly been effective, uh, although only, some of these have only been, been effective after years and years of trying to get them to work. So, and I should put them in the following broad categories. So the first would be online, digital. Uh, that would be your Googles, your Facebooks, Instagrams, Twitter, some advertising. So uh, you know, I think that's a fairly well-known path for, for online digital businesses. Uh, so that, that's, not, that's not surprising. I guess the second would be some of the more offline sort of direct activities, things like flyering, door drop, and so on. Um, again, we'd be able to get them to work after uh, a lot of time. Third category would be partnerships, so working with companies who have like customers mm -hmm. who say, hey, actually, housekeeping's a good, 
good opportunity, uh, a good crossing of opportunity. And then last and probably the most important is word of mouth. And, and that's the hardest to crack. Uh, but of course, we own it when we own it. And, and the cleaning industry in particular, and, and of course, particularly in domestic cleaning, the way most people find the cleaning is through word of mouth. So actually, it's the strongest channel, uh, but it's the hardest to get right. And that's yeah. the, the sort of fourth big category. And how, how you know, word of mouth, I think, f- for cleaning in, in general is is quite a strong inbound uh, channel. How have yeah. you been able to uh, consistently deliver a service that enables you to to get the, you know, 4.9, I think, out of five-star rating yeah. that you, you guys are on um, in terms of reviews and feedback? Yeah, and I, I wouldn't say... Uh, there's certainly no silver bullets here. It's a series of lead bullets, I think, as the phrase goes. I guess, yeah. in tip, you know, we, we sort of believe that fundamentally what a customer wants is not a beautiful website or great colors or amazing fonts. They want the house clean. And so we've always believed <laughs> that, and that, that came from that very early customer research and doing the cleaning myself. That's what, that, you know, we, 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 in the early days, we literally didn't even have the ability to build customers, which I guess they probably didn't mind, but they had no technology at all. What they, but we're delivering a good service. And I guess what, yeah. what that meant was we always believed that having good cleaners was important. And so we've always believed that 80% of our investment should go into having good cleaners. And if you get that right, that the rest flows. It's sort of been our belief, give or take a bit. And there's no single thing we've done to get service right, but I guess there's a mindset here of what can we do that improves the service, that, that makes sure customers get paired with really good cleaners, that such that they're happy and they stay. And, and that's kind of how we've grown up in a business. So it's kind of um, embedded in our ethos and what we believe and what we care about. But there's no single thing we've done that magically made cleaner quality good. It's just a series of things we've been doing over time, constantly trying to make service better that has eventually sort of paid yeah. off and got, got, got the returns. But it's very hard, nice. I'd say. It's much easier to tinker with the and website. Than how, and like, what, what are some of the, the key elements then that you have focused on and that have evolved over time, which, which has you know, allowed you to, to maintain that consistency? Yeah, and, and look, at, you know, I should say, we're, we're, yes, we do have a 4.9 star average rating, but you know, we, we still want it to be higher. So we're nowhere near the finished product. I would say that first of all. I guess what I would say yeah. is we think it's a combination of kind of, uh, I guess I would have put it, let's say, let's say this, people, promises, and data. So um, the people side is really difficult. It's finding people, uh, you know, and of course you can advertise for cleaning uh, work, but who, who's going to turn out to be a good cleaner? What are their attributes? What, what are their behaviors like? And I think obviously some people are experienced as cleaners, but lots of people can become cleaners. It's a kind of job you can learn. It's not like you don't need a PhD in rocket science to do it. You can figure out how to be a good cleaner with a bit of help. And, and so the first part is sort of around people uh, and, and finding the right people in the first place. The second is around process. And so that trying to build an onboarding flow that makes it easy for good cleaners to get through the, the flow, but but makes it but, but filters out people who are unlikely to be good 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 cleaners. Um, and when they join, making sure that the process and the onboarding flow is as slick as possible, so that they can uh, they can go and earn money fast. Right? We we want to put as much money in the market in, in the in the pockets of cleaners as we can. 
And then the third is from around data. So when you get to a certain scale, you have enough data on, on ratings, on, on cleaner performance, on customer happiness that you can start to measure and say, actually, these are the, the, the best cleaners. Let, let's help them find more jobs. These are the cleaners that haven't worked out. We've got to take them off the platform quickly. Uh, and you can get the marketplace to start doing some of the heavy lifting once you're at scale and you need, and you need and have the data to do that. With the best cleaners that you identify, do you provide like continuous training for them as well? Is is training into a system part of the onboarding process and part of like their maintenance on the platform? We actually don't do any training per se, but we've made available loads of bits of content that help cleaners, I guess, sort of fundamentally understand. I think our, our ethos is we'll try and on, onboard experienced cleaners in the first place. So, so we're sort of assuming that anybody that we onboard yeah. knows how to clean. But yeah. there's certainly a learning piece about how to use the app. What does this mean? What does that mean? How, how to get how to get the best out of housekeeping? How to find the the, the the right jobs, the right places? And and I guess being completely honest, I don't think we found a way to do that brilliantly through technology. Um, I think. Cleaners are humans who want human support and um, mm. want to talk to somebody. And I wouldn't want to pretend that we found yeah. any way that's better than a human having a chat with a cleaner and saying, hey, how can I help you? Um, we've done loads of stuff to, to, to automate, to build technology, to build uh, motivational tools and you know all the, all, the, all the stuff you'd expect us to. But really, the best thing we can do for a cleaner is have a, have a chat with them and say, hey, how, how can we help? And do that in a nice and thoughtful way. Um, and solve their actual problem, um, to be honest. Yeah, I saw, um, I think it was the Birmingham Tech Week, you uh, were on an interview there, and, and you mentioned that you learned what the users of the app want, what the cleaners want, and then and then apply the tech to that to, to be able to solve their, their problems, right? So what are some of the... As as housekeepers evolved, what what are some of the um, the biggest applications that you have um, utilized the tech for? I think it's sort of common to refer to housekeepers as a technology business because I think everyone kind of gets that tech company sounds sounds kind of good. I don't really think of it like that. I think we're just a problem solving business. That what's common about people who work at Housekeep is that they just like figuring stuff out. If if we weren't figuring out how to run a kind of cleaning platform, we'd be figuring out how to make fish and chip shops better or whatever, whatever the thing <laughs> might be. So I think of it as these problem solving types and where technology comes into play really is it does one of two things. It either makes the experience better for a customer or for a cleaner, or it reduces cost to serve. And we can give that money by, by reducing head office costs. We can give that money back to customers or to cleaners whilst making some money ourselves along the way, hopefully. And so, so here's a good example of something that does both. Historically, customers would contact us about some stuff and we'd contact the cleaner and then the cleaner would contact us and we'd contact the customer. Uh, that's very inefficient for them and for us. And so we built, you know, fairly obvious functionality for them to chat to each other. So customers and cleaners can now chat to each other. And that both improves their experience because they can get to what they want faster uh, and reduces our, our cost because they're triaging stuff amongst themselves rather than coming through us. And so I guess you know, that would be an example of something we learned by talking to users and figuring out what they wanted. It was like, hey, we want to be able to communicate with the other party. So we built the functionality to make that possible. And I think more generally, we've sort of understood that there are, from, from a customer perspective, there are probably only 
a handful of important journeys that a customer goes through. You know, they want to book a clean, they want to try a different cleaner, they want to add some instructions. There, there aren't a huge number of things that a customer really needs to do. Whereas for a, sorry, a customer needs to do, whereas for a cleaner, well, a critical thing they need is if there's an issue on a job, like they are stuck outside, they're lost, they need to be able to contact someone, whether that's us or the customer. And so, you know, we'd be able to say, okay, what are the critical things they need to do? Therefore, we'll build technologies to make it easy to do those things. And I guess the application of using the technology to, to make the cleaner's life easier, as well as, you know, providing better utility for the customer to improve the customer experience has been is a constantly evolving piece like are you how are you getting feedback from from customers now that your you know housekeeping is is very well established um, and where do you find like the the marginal gains that you, you can make to continuously improve the tech but also the the service that you deliver yes yeah, really good question it definitely changes with the business scales so in the early days I think your job as the founder is to kind of take everything and synthesize everything in your own head and, and figure out what to build in what order. Um, but as this gets bigger, that becomes kind of impossible and you have to do it a different way. And I think we certainly can be better at this, but I, I would sort of describe it as being able to marry quantitative data. You know, the data says there are this many incidents of this nature about this thing with the qualitative. So, What's, what are people saying about their experience? What do they, what do they say? So, uh, for example, if you read customer reviews on our website, that what customers say is one of the things that they love is that the cleaner's really friendly. And how do you, how do you make cleaners on average more friendly? I'm not sure you can as such, <laughs> but kind of it's about taking, taking that mix of, of quantitative data and qualitative experiential information and merging them together and possibly even learning a bit externally you know what the what do equivalent businesses do in, in similar situations whether they be a marketplace or a consumer business or a online business or whatever it might be and kind of marrying those three things together kind of what's what are we yeah. hearing what does the data say what's happening elsewhere and putting those together to figure out what we should build i guess what i don't believe is that you should just build forever and ever and ever and it, you mentioned marginal gains, and I think it, it, it sort of a responsible sort of executive team should always be asking, is it worth us building this thing? Does it pay back? Is there a good ROI on this? Could we spend that money better somewhere else? And I think it does get difficult, and, and, and it can be easy to build more things rather than do a smaller number of things better. Um, and, and again, I wouldn't say we've always yeah. got that balance right. Um, it's sort of tempting to build more things where actually sometimes just lose to focus on doing your core, your core one or two things better. And in saying that, so I know um, I can see that you, you're kind of diversifying your piece into home services in general. How have you found that transition and applying the, the same sort of principles that, you know, you applied to uh, the cleaning and getting housekeep started? How are you finding applying those same principles to to different elements of, of the home service market? You know, plumbing, electrics, handyman, that yeah. type of thing. It's, um, how do I put it? It's, uh, it's very easy and it's very hard. Uh, so in theory, it's really easy. It's like, yeah. hey, you know, this, you know, ultimately there's, a person who wants to sell some of their time to somebody else who values their time, you know, whether you're a cleaner, you're a gardener, you're a plumber. I mean, Hey, what's, what's, what's the difference, right? You know, what's the difference yeah. between matching up 
taxi drivers and and consumers or you know matching up people who want sandwiches with sandwich shop owners yeah so it's not that conceptually different but then of course it is quite yeah, different you know yeah. so in some ways it's really easy but i guess the and 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 look i don't know if this is just us and we're weird but i feel like there's certainly been times where housekeep better understands cleaners than anybody else in the world and i don't know how you go and better yeah. understand plumbers and electricians and gardeners and I don't know, taxi drivers and sandwich makers or whoever else, you know, you know, whatever other marketplaces we might try to build better than anybody else in the world. And of course, the first time we did it, effectively, I was the sort of central focal point for, hey, everybody, give me all the information. I'm going to synthesize that and in my head decide what to do next. Whereas you can't do that at this scale because I can't know everything about everything anymore, annoyingly, uh, even though mm. I don't quite like to. And you have to have <laughs> an organization that does that. And it's really hard and, and uh, I wouldn't claim I know how to make the organization be able to do that. But I think, I think anyone who's been through this kind of a business transition says that you know, there's a difference between you've somehow got to embed that obsession with learning, obsession with data, obsession with insight into the DNA of the business as opposed to individual people. There's quite a distinct difference in those two things. So. Sure. Look, lots of other businesses have managed it. We weren't, we, 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 uh, lots of businesses have failed. We wouldn't be the first to succeed if we did it. So, yeah, but in some ways it's really easy. Actually, it's quite hard to execute on, especially when you're trying to grow your core business, um, at the same time. You know, it can be distracting, of course. So it's, um, very easy and very hard. I'll, st I'll stick, stick with that. So thinking about the pure cleaning service delivery uh, for housekeep. So in a cleaning business owner shoes, um, that does doesn't necessarily, you know, they, they don't utilize much tech within their business. What are some of the, the key applications that they, that, that housekeep do consistently that they could apply within their business and without necessarily having to rely on, on a, a lot of tech and, and a lot of data, like data-driven feedback as yeah. well? Yeah, and I think, uh, and there's loads of off-the-shelf solutions as well that um, uh, people could look at. And... I think there are a few bits that are really important. One's around booking. So do people book in and uh, can you find a way to help people book online? Um, you know, whether that's a form or using third-party software. Second is around job sort of routing. Again, the no third-party, I think, apps out there mm. that help you with job routing and so on. Of course, third is payment. You know, you certainly want a way, a way to automate payment. And, and I think one of the barriers to building a big business in this space in the past was you couldn't collect payment automatically, whereas you can do that, do that now. And then I guess the last, but it's harder to do off the shelf would be trying to communicate with cleaners through a digital app. But actually, it's quite hard to buy that off the shelf because it's, yeah. it's not so easily built. But, but, but that would be the fourth piece for me. Where, where tech makes a big difference yeah i i know you know there, there's more sort of cleaning companies coming on now that are adopting and, and utilizing tech but it's been a, a very very slow take up mm. do you think that's why i know you mentioned that housekeeper isn't necessarily a tech focused business or a tech business but do you think that because tech is at your core that that has kind of driven the really big growth that you guys have had over over the last few years and if it wasn't for the tech piece then you know it wouldn't necessarily have grown as quickly yeah um yeah 100 percent. and i think i think the point that i'm trying to make about technology is that it's not an end into itself it's either improving the yeah. user experience or, or or making it more efficient but you can't 
you can only improve the user experience so much without technology. Ultimately, if a customer wants to be able to edit or manage their cleans on the go, you need to be able to build a mobile app for that. And likewise, if cleaners want to be able to do a really good job and then lots of money fast, you need to be able to get a mobile app into their hands. So, but I think we start, we've started not with, hey, let's build some technology. We've started with, hey, let's build a really good business. How does technology help us do that? But absolutely, mm -hmm. without the tech that we have built, we'd be, yeah, we wouldn't be able to scale to the, the, the size we have. The operations, I think, would just fall over at a certain number of cleaners and a certain mm -hmm. number of jobs. And what this allows us to do is keep service quality and experience quality high whilst doing more and more jobs over time. So in saying that, like what has, what's been the one decision whilst you've been running Housekeep that's kind of had the biggest impact on your growth? I think, uh, like I said, I wouldn't say there's any, you know, I don't look back at any single decision we made and think, oh, that was good. It's been a series of uh, mm. small decisions that we made over time. But I think, uh, whilst I wouldn't call this a, a decision, I would say the, the sort of philosophy of focus on clean quality and everything else will will follow has been has been right so yeah. we took the view that customers care about clean quality we took the view that that means that we have to have the best cleaning base out there we took the view that that means we need to put the most money in the pockets of housekeepers and we call cleaners housekeepers uh, we want the best and therefore we call nice. them housekeepers for the cleaners and as a consequence, we asked, okay, how do we get more money in the pockets of the housekeepers than anybody else? And that's about lots of jobs close together, high root density, make it easy to get new customers if a customer happens to leave, all, all, all those sort of things. And generally speaking, when we focused on that problem, the business has grown pretty fast. And when we've done other things, the business has not grown or, or not grown, grown very fast. <laughs> and so housekeepers, I, I just want to uh, double click on that. So the, clearly there's, you know, mm. there's very much a, like a, a team, a, a sort of cultural element that underlies the business as well. Is is that an, an element that you kind of focus on as part of the onboarding? You, you want, you know, people that are in line with your values and to be able to... Yeah you know, spread the word of that housekeep brand, right? And to, to keep not just yeah. maintaining it, but to build upon it as well. Yeah, uh, 100%. And um, look, in the early days, we, we didn't have any choice. So I, uh, you know, interviewed every cleaner. We'd asked them to do a trial clean of my flat. Uh, that was when I stopped cleaning, hmm. I suppose. You know, we, we, we checked each of the new customers. Some of that stuff didn't scale. Uh, my, my flat was, was big enough at some point to uh, have it clean four times a day or whatever. But there, there, were, there were times when we did that. And and that ethos really has stuck with us. And I think, and, and, and you know, I, I think there's a, I, I think it's probably typical for growing businesses. But when you start, you have this really strong ethos of we really, we're really going to make sure every cleaner we put out there is going to, you know, do a good job. And then you try to scale it. And you slowly chip away at all the bits of your, your ethos and your beliefs that are really important until actually it's not as good as you'd want it to be. And we've certainly had that patch. And, and now we somehow have to have that ethos, those values at scale. And you can't do it by me talking to every single cleaner and me having them test clean <clears throat> my flat and think the things at scale. And you sort of have to build a, a living, breathing organism, which is the housekeeper organization that does that where it doesn't need me to say, here's what our values are. Our values aren't someone, and, and I never did, right? I never sat down with the team and said, our values are, we care about customers and we want to do a good job, yeah. right? It was just obvious, right? But somehow you need to take these obvious things and make them obvious again, but at scale. 
Um, and that's quite hard. Like yeah. I said, it is, it's not straightforward. Um, and we've definitely got it wrong along the way many, many, many times. But we really do believe that uh, if we get that right, that other things follow. And the, you know, for us, it makes, you know, one, one cleaner could be looking after 15 customers. So it makes good business sense mm-hmm. to look after a cleaner because they look after 15 customers in, 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 uh, as it sort of follows. But that's not why we do it. We're kind of a bunch of people who we, a lot of the early team here have been out cleaning for quite a lot of their early days. We all know how hard it is. We want to build a business that our mums would be proud of, to use a sort of bit of a cliche. Mm. Uh, we want to help cleaners. We want to help them earn more money. Um, there's a kind of mission piece to us that's just inherent. That's not really... We do that, you know, if we were running a fish and chip shop, we want to run the best fish and chip shop. And if we're going to run a cleaning platform, we want to run the best cleaning platform with just people who are, who are, who are like that with that ethos. And I think this market yeah. benefits from that because service is so important. And so, and there are probably other markets where it's not. And I don't know whether that, that, that fits coincidental or somehow, uh, you, you know, sort of destined, but, but, but certainly that, that matters a lot to us. And just to stay on the recruitment aspect and, and finding, you know, your housekeepers, has that sort of been more of a challenge over, you know, COVID aside, but mm. um, even before that, has it, you know, following Brexit, has it been more yeah. of a challenge to, to find not just cleaners, but, but good cleaners? And if so, how, like, how have you managed to consistently on, on board, you know, the, the right cleaners to, to help grow your business? Um, yes, the first part, I suppose, yes, it's definitely harder. I suppose, you know, uh, I'm a, I'm an economist by education and, um, mm-hmm. I, w- it wasn't, um, it wasn't intentional, but I certainly get to use my, um, economics as part of thinking about this problem. I mean, it's a supply demand problem. The supply of cleaners has reduced uh, ever, ever since Brexit and, and perhaps accelerated at certain points during COVID. That means that prices have gone up uh, and, and, and possibly the market size is similar or smaller or bigger. It's, it's, it's not really clear. It's hard, I think it's hard to know. Um, and that has all sorts of weird unintended consequences. So it means because there's less supply, more people are in the market for cleaner at any one time. More, fewer people can get a cleaner through word of mouth, more people online, our competitors have supply troubles, so more people come to us and all these weird and wonderful effects. It's hard to know what that means for demand. So is it harder to find cleaners or good cleaners? Absolutely. You know, but no, no doubt about that. Does it get compensated by higher pricing? Probably, possibly. Uh, navigating it is um, mm-hmm. academically interesting, but not always interesting and exciting if you're actually the guy that has to navigate it day to day, right? It's challenging when customers say, yeah. we desperately want a cleaner, can you help us? You have to say, no, 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 no. How have we solved it? Uh, well, I, I suppose I've sort of alluded to the answer already. I mean, partly through pricing. They're less, you know, if, if we can't find cleaners at a certain price, we have to raise prices and, and, and help cleaners earn more money. Yeah, that's, that's certainly one of the big leaders uh, in, in sort of supply demand here. I think one of the things that we don't know that's really hard to know is whether we would be in a better or worse position if supply was, was as it was. And it's sort of unclear that to us, I guess. So we just try to keep chipping away at the cleaner experience over time. So gather information from cleaners on how could things be better? What could we make better? We, we, we look at obviously the data that, that, that supports that. 
and keep keep shipping changes and improvements. I think have to be a little bit careful not to just keep trying to go for incremental gains, but to ask one of the big few things that cleaners really care about and say, are we focusing on on mm. on improving and delivering them and, and, and improving their experience? And I think that's offset some of the supply challenges because we've been, you know, even though supplies got harder, yeah. our propositions got better and, and, and those things have perhaps cancelled themselves out. Yeah, there's uh, one thing I, I just want to uh, pick up on um, before we head into the quick fire round, I mean, because I know we're, we've been going for oh. nearly 40 minutes. Uh, you, you mentioned price. So I spoke with um, uh, Louise Trehone, who's the director of the Domestic Cleaning Business Network, which um, started just before COVID. And she, I think one of the uh, the uh, key elements of her starting um, that association or the network was was to drive up the price in the domestic um, sort of cleaning market because a lot of cleaners were charging ten pounds an hour and really not not making any any like profit. Yeah. You know, yeah. they were covering yeah. their cost just about uh, yeah. and she broke down you know how you know what what is a fair price and that that type of thing how how have you managed to to maintain i guess competitive pricing throughout uh, you know housekeeps mm. journey and and maintain that competitiveness as well up, up to the current day yeah i mean i guess to some extent we don't want to be particularly competitive we'd rather deliver a good service at a good price it means cleaners earn good money. I guess we don't really think that mm -hmm. there's a interesting business or a business that we'd want to be building a low price to consumer, a low price to cleaners, where no no one's very happy, basically. So we'd yeah. rather actually be at a premium, be positioned at a premium, and help cleaners earn a premium. Um, that's always where we'd like to play. I, I, I'm not, again, I'm not 100%, you know, it's been a few years, there's been times where that's probably not been true, but it feels like it's probably true today. But I sort of firmly agree that prices have been going up, they probably will continue going up. And I think it's sort of easy to, uh, it, look, if you look at New York or Switzerland or Germany or Sweden or lots of other markets, uh, actually pricing is much, 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 much higher sort of in the 30 to 50 pounds an hour range um mm. so it's, it's a completely different uh yeah. market i think the uk for some reason or another for a long period of time was reached at 10 pounds an hour i think you know that's not the case today i think people are expected to pay 15 to 20 pounds an hour for a cleaner whether whether the uk ends up in a similar place where cleans cost 30 to 50 pounds an hour i'm, I'm, I'm not too sure well that just the market size i'm not too sure either does that reduce the number of consumers or actually is a sort of necessary service that people buy, or does it change their consumption from to be less frequent, or all these things? I think are, 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 are possible. Um, I suppose, sort of, again, the the economist in me finds this quite interesting. It's, it's quite challenging to navigate it. But what I would say is, you know, we're the biggest in domestic cleaning. We've got, we think, you know, it's a very strong team. We've got very good data. We should be able to benefit from market disruption, um, and so this should leave us in a stronger position because it. Um, uh, uh, market disruption is good mm. if you're in, in, in the strongest position. I can tell you it doesn't feel like that all the time. You know, it feels like you're kind of just trying to figure out lots <laughs> and lots of different things simultaneously. But hey, I can tell you the, the philosophy and I can tell you the reality as well, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Well, look, I mean, um, I appreciate your time. I've got a couple of quick fire questions uh, mm. before I let you go. Uh, the first one is what are the Three non-negotiable skills that you believe have been essential to to you uh, and your team growing housekeep. I think I've only got two. It's people business. Okay. This is people, both sides of your marketplace. 
working in your office. So empathy, understanding people and what they want uh, is really critical. And second, it's a service business. So you've got to understand the details, how this thing works, nuts and bolts. Got to be a bit obsessive about cleaning. Um, so you've got to be a d- detail-orientated yeah. person as well. And what's the one piece of advice you'd give a younger version of yourself before you you started housekeep, before you knew everything that you know now? I I, I, I was just fun to this with don't do it. Um, you know why on earth did anyone start any business? You know, let alone a business uh, in the cleaning industry. Um, you know, it's really hard. Um, don't do it. Do something else. Don't, don't put yourself through it. But if you're going to do it, if you're still going to do it, if you're still crazy enough to think that you're going to be the guy that's successful and, you know, blah, 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 then at least enjoy it. Uh, it's, I think as you get a little bit older and I've, I've got a few more gray hairs than I used to, um, enjoy the journey. And I think I've, they said, I, I've, I've, I historically just want to get to the end as quickly as possible. Whereas I'm, I'm almost learning to enjoy what I'm learning, the challenge, the cha- uh, all the difficult things along the way, I'm sort of starting to um, take them in my stri- stride a bit more rather than just think about where's the, where's the end, where's the, where's the goal. The goal actually is the journey itself. So my advice would be to enjoy the journey if you're going to do it. Yeah, perfect. And Luke, I mean, where can people find you online? Where, where's the best place to connect? I'm uh, on Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn, uh, both under Avin Rivero, so very easy to find, and you can find Housekeep under the same, uh, housekeep.com or on LinkedIn or Twitter. Perfect. Well, look, Avin, I really appreciate um, your time this afternoon. Uh, it's been um, a useful learning experience for me as well. So thank you very much for joining us on the show, and uh, I'll speak to you soon. Absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks to Avin for joining us on the Growth Lab podcast, and thanks to you guys for listening. You can access the show notes and resources via the link in the episode description. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others who you think will find it useful across social media, or leave a rating and review on whatever podcast platform you listen to. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at I am underscore Matt Harris. That's M-A-T-T-H-A-R-R-I-S to catch all the latest from the Growth Lab and how to generate more contract opportunities for your cleaning business. See you next time. And remember, if your cleaning business isn't growing, it's dying.